0: Hello Magic Seekers and welcome to It Turns
1: Out She's a Witch. We're your hosts, Laura and Shannon. And, and welcome, welcome to our, our podcast, Coven.
0: to our beautiful podcast coven thank you for tuning in to another episode of turns out she's a witch we are so excited to welcome back a very special guest we had on the podcast last year and who we absolutely loved connecting with she's the author of 10 life-changing non-fiction books for women including medicine woman she of the sea and her best-selling book burning woman her work is dedicated to supporting women's empowered embodied expression through her writing teaching and art She lives in East Cork, Ireland, where she runs Womancraft Publishing, creating life-changing, paradigm-shifting books written by women for women. Today we are delving into her book, Creatrix and all that it has to offer. So it's my absolute pleasure to welcome back Lucy H. Pierce. Thank you so much for joining us again, Lucy hello
2: hello it's so exciting to be with you I loved our last conversation so I'm really looking forward to this as did we (laughs) as did our listeners too we had such a
0: huge response to the Burning Woman podcast and yeah I think um, I'm hoping a lot of our listeners ran out and bought that book and I'm sure after chatting about Creatrix today
1: they'll be running out to get that one too (laughs) right <laughs> it was actually also a really wonderful gateway into womancraft publishing as well mm-hmm. because we've since spoken to a few published authors and each and every one has just been so thought provoking and beautifully healing and um and we have you to thank
2: for that as well so it's just Oh you know, I'm delighted thank you. Yeah we have a really interesting and varied selection of women. I mean, that's, that's definitely something that I focus on when I'm, um, taking on books is trying to build our diversity and in every way in race, age, neurotype Mm -hmm. type of book. Like I want to cover as much ground of different women's voices as I can. So um I'm delighted you've spoken to some of them. <laughs> oh yeah, we have great fun. <laughs> oh, we've absolutely loved connecting with
0: them and there's still so many more that we're yet to connect oh, with, but absolutely. <laughs> it's never ending. <laughs> so first of all, before we delve right into the book, the word creatrix when I googled it means a female who brings forth or produces. A mother, a female founder, authoress. But I would love to know, Lucy, what does the word creatrix mean to you?
2: Great question. So a creatrix for me was a way of saying without apology what I do. Because when you are a creative person, you meet people at dinner parties and parties. Not that I like either of those things very much. But I have to kind of, I'm neurodiverse. So I have to kind of have a little kind of script ready for how do I talk to a stranger who asks me questions I don't know how to answer. Mm. So for me, having words for what I do is really helpful because then my social anxiety comes down a bit because I'm like, okay, I know how to answer them. So for me, I guess it is a cover all because I am what I like to call a polyamorous create, creative, um, or a multifaceted creative. In that I don't fit in one box. Um, so I'm a writer. I'm also a creative entrepreneur. I also do lots of different sorts of visual art. I also enjoy photography and like that's, you know, I do the world of photography for our business. Um, I write, you know, if you read my books, you will see, I don't just stick to one genre, though I am nonfiction, you know, there are fictionalized bits, there is poetry. Um, there is kind of workshopy stuff. Like I cover a lot of grounds, and then I'm a teacher. I'm a trained teacher, and my what I was trained in was drama.
1: So oh, yeah. I have a lot
2: of yeah. I have a lot of strings to my bow, and as you know, when you read my my intro there, and I was like here cringing and go, <laughs> oh my god,
1: I get- <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs>
2: I don't like too much focus on all the things I do because it sounds, I don't know. It sounds a bit arrogant or it sounds a bit like, um, I think I'm really good at all these things when it's, it's not that it's just, that's how my creativity expresses itself through lots and lots of things through diversity. And I'm somebody who does hop around from lots and lots of things because I have got ADHD. I get bored. So mm. I, I've also got a thing where I like to try lots of things. If I see something, and I'm like, oh, I could do that. So I give it a go. So I'm not particularly good at any of these <laughs> things, I wouldn't say. But I do them, and I do them professionally. So it's like, how do I define that to somebody without having to give them this much blurb mm. when I've just met somebody? So creatrix was quite a useful term. And then also, I'm involved in the women's spirituality movement. And so for me, the whole concept of the creator God, um, the masculine God, uh, raises my heckles and makes me pretty flippin' angry. (laughs) And it's not what I believe in. So we kind of go right back to that basic thing of a creator is somebody who creates things. Who is the Who was the basic, ultimate, first creator? Well, that was the creator God. So if we use the word creator, it is a word that was made about God, a male God, but it was also used to define artists who were exclusively male for mm. thousands of years. That was the only art that was allowed, was male art. And it, the only art that was allowed was the art that was funded and um, honoured by the culture. So in Western European cultures, that would have been white male art. So a creatrix rejects that. It rejects the model of artist or creator, which has been made in the male image. So it, it gives us space to make our own image of what a creative person, a creative woman looks like without having to try and fit ourselves into a mold that was never made for us. So for a creative woman, that might mean having lots of different creative strings to your bow. It might mean creating around motherhood. It might mean creating about your menstrual body. It might mean being a creative entrepreneur rather than trying to play the game of the arts world and the art system. It might mean putting your own stuff out there rather than waiting for somebody else to fund you. So it gives us space to experiment, to play, to create, to be who we are, to create ourselves rather than try and fit ourselves into a cookie cutter mold that doesn't fit us. Wow. <laughs> so there, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> mic drop. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was very nice chatting with you. <laughs> oh, just incredible! You said so many things in there that um, it would be great to, you know, go back around on. When I mean, you're saying there's so many strings in your bow. It's like um, the writer Elizabeth Gilbert writes about hummingbirds and jackhammers and there's lots of people that are hummingbirds and they go from flower to flower and they try this, that and the other and it all just moves together. And then you have jackhammers that are quite happy doing, you know, one thing for a long time and it's just you're a hummingbird. (laughs)
2: I am a hummingbird, and I, you know, for a long time, you know, because we're, we're brought up, this culture is one of specialists and experts, and they're the people who get the respect, somebody who dedicates their life to one tiny mm-hmm. corner of biochemistry or something, do you know what I mean? Like one tiny, yeah. tiny aspect. To be a generalist, to be somebody who does a lot of things is, is not respected. Mm. You know, you must therefore be amateurish in everything. Or we are required to be perfect in one field. We're, we're required to, to, to reach a, a, a level which somebody has set from the outside. Whereas, you know, for me, I like trying out new things. Like Bet I've just, um,
1: yeah.
2: I've just illustrated, um, fully illustrated. So like Creatrix has my illustrations in, so I guess that was my first illustrated book, but this is another level of Illustration, um a book that I'm co-authoring with um Sarah Robinson, oh, and beautiful. I. It was really exciting to do that. Like you know, I'm not an illustrator. That is not my job. That is not my role. No one would come along and hire me. Lucy, could you illustrate my <laughs> book? But I have illustrated a book from beginning to end, and wow. it was fabulous. And I really enjoyed it. But that's because I have set up the sort of world, Womancraft Publishing, and my own creative career where I can try that and you know there's no there's not too far to fall if it doesn't work but I'm really pleased with the result and I think it has worked so that was really exciting and I may never do another one again but I was able to try that and my creative spirit loves that it loves that excitement of a new challenge and giving something a go trying it out trying on that hat trying on that costume and seeing you know how how, how am I in that how how does that work for me that's that's really exciting and that's what each of our books is for me too it's like a oh this is a new challenge how do we do this mm, exploring it's so inspiring
1: mm. I love it I'm so glad you're back with us and we're only just beginning this uh, conversation <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> uh, Lucy I really enjoyed delving into your book Creatrix and loved how it is woven with personal stories beautiful quotes thought-provoking exercises and reflections. What in what else inspired you to write Create Tricks? I mean, we've been over that quite a lot. Is there anything else that you want to add there?
2: You want the honest answer? Yes, <laughs> yes, please. Very much okay, so. The honest answer is my very first book, The Rainbow Way, was written for creative mothers, and I took it out because I, I was trying to do what you're supposed to do. This was back in the day when I was starting out and trying to do things the right way, trying to be the good girl trying <laughs> to get approval. So I went out looking for publishers, got rejected by a couple, got a publishing deal. So it came out and it's resonated with a lot of people. But I didn't like the publisher set up thing and I didn't make very much money from it, despite it selling very well. And I was wow. like, sod that shit. I have (laughs) got really good material there and, and I want to do something which, so I was trying to really get a real niche selection of people because I'd read the artist's way when I was, had just given birth. It didn't speak to me as a new mother at all. Like it didn't allow for anything in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I needed to write the book first. That was what started my writing career. I needed to write this book for me, for all new mothers, early mothers who who needed to create, found this need to create awoken in them through their pregnant and breastfeeding and birthing bodies, but had no time or space to create. And were feeling this deep sense of frustration. So that's who those that book was for. And it was needed for me. It was needed by a lot of women. And it has started a lot of creative careers and businesses. And that just so excites me. But there's been you know, you write a book for a select group of people and then a whole other bunch of people come to you and say, I really liked your book. Why why was it just for them? So I was like, <laughs> okay, this one is also for <laughs> the men and all of the people who aren't mamas or the people who aren't early mothers anymore. Sure. And then the men bit kind of dropped by the wayside. I was like, they got enough fucking books. So this is just <laughs> for the women. <laughs> I so, love it. Um, so, it is. so, yeah, so I... I needed to write and get my material out to more people, but through WomanCraft. So obviously one has an obligation not to be in competition with one's books. Yeah. Um, you have like a, a three or four year thing where you're not allowed to be in, write another book that's in competition okay. because that then honors your contract. So I took the material that I wanted to, Put out to everybody, not just mothers. And I took all the material that I had developed over those four years that I wasn't allowed to put out another book mm. <laughs> on the subject, and all the blog posts and all the interviews and everything that I'd done, and all the teaching and just all those bits and pieces. And my book was supposed to be uh one finger up. <laughs> 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 oh God! I don't think they listen. One to this. on each hand. So it, <laughs> it was supposed, yeah, one on each hand. It was supposed <laughs> to be that uh reclaiming of of some money for this material that was wow. really good that I had been shorted from. In my opinion, mm-hmm. I'd been paid fairly according to their thing. It's just, it's not very much money. Yeah. Um, for the amount of books that was sold. So it was started as that, and. you can see from the size of the book (laughs) it kind of it developed so it's become a book in its own right and it's something very different to the rainbow way but that's what it started out project wise and and it incorporates both the how and why we create Uh, the kind of the more spiritual and practical elements of it, but then the really practical elements of how do we get our work out into the world? Because I tend to find there's two lots of books. There's the um, creativity books, which focus on creativity as a concept. And then there's the how to make money as an artist books. But Mm. I hadn't seen anyone who actually said, Maybe it's just because people want to sell more books. So they write two separate books. My husband was (laughs) like, this should be two separate books. This is too big, too fat, too heavy. And it costs too much to send, which is all true. (laughs) (laughs) Always. Um, But I wanted to incorporate those two things because as a creative, like those two elements are the constant elements of your life. I want to make stuff. I'm stuck. I don't have time. I don't know why I need to create this. Balanced with, I need to make money. I don't know how to put my work out there. I don't know if I can sell this. That's so right. if we go backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards between those two. So I I wanted to honour both of those sides mm, um, as out. the realities of of what a working creatrix deals with, but without mm. making because the money making bit of of a lot of creative books is often about how to sell your stuff. Yeah. Um, to to and through the the art establishment, which most creatrices as I know don't. They they do Etsy, they do they do their own websites, they do small stalls, they do you know self-published mm. books, they do recordings on SoundCloud. So it's how do you get to be that sort of artist, putting your own stuff out there and make a living from it. Yeah, how do you make deal money. with that feeling of fear when you're putting your stuff out there. Is it good enough? Are people going to buy it? How, you know, all of that, that's stuff that we're dealing with all the time. And yet it doesn't get spoken about in the same breath as this beautiful, Oh, I want to create. And Oh, what's this creative? It doesn't get spoken about. And it's, it's Mm -hmm. a real kind of bifurcation, a real weird kind of split in the the psyche and the soul of of western culture that you have the soul and you have money and like daily life and you're not allowed to talk about those in the same breath and all of my books I've realized is another finger up to that it's like actually (laughs) no (laughs) does that answer Uh what you
1: asked (laughs) I can yes. not even bloody remember what I asked, but of course it does answer it. And then some, and it's also relevant too. It's that, um, and when you look at it from that spirituality side, it's just energy. It's the energy that you're putting out and what you get
2: back in, retu- in return for that, exactly. you know? Exactly. Mm-hmm. But people can often then, when you say, so you know from my work that energy is something that I've come back to again and again. I focus on it again and again, but not necessarily in a kind of a floaty woo-woo way, in a very grounded yeah. way often but it is and when people start thinking energy they can get kind of floaty woo but actually yeah. no like energy is your physical energy every day that you're using yeah it is the creative flow that comes through you it's the money that comes towards you. It's all of those things are energy mm-hmm. yeah plain and, and simple
1: that, definitely
2: plain and simple <laughs> and that's yeah. a
0: beautiful little lead in to my my next question which is You are such a powerhouse of creativity. Do you feel it's something Ah! that springs? (laughs) Well, you are, my gosh. Do you feel it's something that springs from within you, or is it something that you tap into, such as an energetic consciousness, or a muse, or perhaps a a combination of the two? Hard question. That's (laughs) really
2: hard. (laughs) No, it's not. Um, Okay, it's all of the above and then some. So. So creativity for me has a number of different threads. And again, that's what Creatrix is trying to cover. So there's the bit that comes through me, like the idea that comes in a dream, the the thought that arises in my brain just as I'm trying to go to sleep, which I've never thought before, and which seems to come from beyond me. And I'm like, Oh my God, that is so cool. That is so exciting. And I've got to like scribble it down because it's not my thought. Mm. So I can't re-reference that unless I note it down right then because it hasn't come from any kind of logical thought process or anything. Now, I'm fully open to the fact if we want to say that that has come from my unconscious That's fine with me. I'm not trying to make any great claims that, you know, the goddess comes and she taps me on the head or or (laughs) angels whisper in my ear. I don't need that to be the case. I'm just saying it comes from a place that I cannot access with my logical daily brain. And therefore when these bubbles come up, um, I do everything within my power to capture them because one, it's an incredible experience. Like it is truly uh, the best thing of my life to, to have that gift that these things occur for me. But then I have to do stuff with that. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, all, all the inspiration in the world doesn't mean shit if I don't do something with it, if I don't yeah. shape it, craft it, put it into a package that people will understand what I'm talking about, and then find the people who are going to be interested in that and sell it to them or gift it to them. Like, they're not... Like it's it. If it just goes from my head onto the piece of paper beside my bed, you know, nothing else is going to happen from it. And my belief... Is that the agreement I have made with the creative process, whatever the source of it might be, is that I will receive these things if I do something with them. They're Mm. not just for me. It's, you know, my my promise to the process is that I will share these in whatever way, like in in discussions like this, in books, in teaching. It doesn't have to be for money involved but i need to be able to support myself in order to be able to live and the way that i choose to support myself is through the creativity so i get to spend more time with this energy with these things but i don't have to like i could do a completely different job and still Mm -hmm. put these things out with no financial thing attached and there's no judgment either way, whether when people decide to make a living from their creativity or not. It's just if you choose to, you get more time with the creativity. So my agreement with it is that that these these bubbles are not just for me. And That can feel very arrogant when you're, you know, sitting in in bed with your notepad on your lap thinking, (laughs) oh, this, I must share this with the world. You know, because (laughs) the reality is people's feedback Again and again and again over the years is this has been extremely valuable to me. This has changed my life. This has changed how I see things. This has given voice to something within me that I was never able to give words to before. So that feedback tells me that what I am doing is of service, is of use, is of value, and therefore I continue doing it. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. There is also the side to me where I have a brain which is neurodiverse. So I love looking at patterns, making patterns, solving patterns. Like I have a neurological drive to do that. So a lot of my books are about problem solving for myself, for my own life and my own psychology, but also solving problems for things that I see around me that people aren't putting pieces together in a way that makes sense to me and so I, I I do that problem solving in my book which a lot of people find very valuable and I find extremely valuable it moves me through stuff um, and then there is my as you can hear high energy drive <laughs> which um, I need to do stuff I need to make stuff I get bored if I'm not and my, my energy gets very low and I get kind of depressed and anxious so part of my doing and making is part distraction part healing for that antsy angsty need to do something thing Mm. so it's like it's it's rooted in all those like it's it's rooted in a spiritual soul level reality it's rooted in a i need to make a living reality you know what book am i bringing out this or product am i bringing out this year that will be our new income stream like that's the reality that's a business and and i need to do that and then there is the, the neurodivergent and mental health aspect of it, too, that I need to do this for, for the body and brain that I've been born into. All mm-hmm. of them are true. All of them are equal for me. Okay, Can I read you something? That might.
0: Yes, please Absolutely.
2: All right. Woo! Sorry for people who <laughs> <laughs> dropped my place. <pipe. laughs> did you drop us (laughs) yeah I did I'm sorry (laughs) um so for a lot of people art is kind of like a hobby or something they feel they should do to be kind of erudite or educated or culturally kind of interesting Mm -hmm. and the sort of creativity that I'm talking about is something that you need to do and it might be messy and it might not be something you can sell and it might be something that other people don't understand or even you don't understand a lot of the time. But there is this internal need to create. So that's what I'm talking about here. We don't make art because we have perfect lives or immense privilege. We create in order to live through the lives that have revealed themselves through us because of, in spite of, the chaos, the confusion, the grief... The anger, the overwhelm, the terror, the trauma, the tragedy, the feeling of powerlessness. We cannot control much of what happens to us in our lives. But if creativity is our default processing response, our ability to heal and transform is enabled. I like that it. It's
0: incredible. Yeah. And I can completely resonate. With that, I know um with my conceptual photography, a lot of that is from personal experiences and my own healing that go into those images and I tell stories through that. And people might look at it and see something completely different, but I know mm. where it was created from
2: um, and the idea behind it. So it's like stuff through our creativity, through making words and images and movement and sound. We can express things that might be trapped within us that have had Mm -hmm. no expression before. And a lot of what, especially in social media world and especially in um, just in Western culture where everything has to be monetized, we can very much focus on the product of something, that something is saleable, that something is, you know, identical to the next thing that we make, you know, that that there's a story behind it. Whereas actually a lot of creativity is just us finding some sort of expression for something deep within us that has never been expressed, um, that needs expression, that desires expression. And that to me is what creativity is really for is is that. That is the medicine of it. That is the healing of it. Um, And that is the magic of it because it, it can transform stuff which is tight and dark and overwhelming into something which touches other people, which helps us understand ourselves better, whatever it is. But it gets stuff out of our bodies, out of our minds, out of our unconscious and out into the world. And really that's it's a freeing of energy. It's a transformation mm. of energy within us into a different form so that it can be expressed out of us so that we're not carrying all the heavy shit all the time. Yeah, it's that outlet. And often the heaviest, the heaviest of stuff doesn't necessarily make the heaviest of art. It just needs the expression. Mm.
1: So um, I think I have an idea on what you're going to say here, but I'd like <laughs> to ask you anyway. Do you feel that creativity is something that is innate within us all or just bestowed onto certain artistic people? Like you often hear people say, oh, I'm not creative.
2: Well, I said that. I mean, you know, like I started um, as one of the few things which did end up in both The Rainbow Way and Creatrix was this conversation that I had with a couple of um, women at uh, an exhibition opening of my dad's. Um, and my dad is a very well-known potter over here in Ireland. Um, like you know, you pretty much go into any house in Ireland and they've got his his work. Wow. So um, I grew up in the shadow of that. Um, and so I was at he he just moved into painting and um, at this big fancy exhibition opening. And these ladies said, "Oh, are you creative?" And you know, <laughs> I immediately said, "No," <laughs> well. because I I wasn't what. My dad was. I, I mm. wasn't big and bold and out there. I wasn't a potter. Um, at that point, I you know, I my paintings, I'd never been in a, an exhibition bar at school, you know, I, I did drama, I did little bits of writing, but I, I wasn't I, I called that not creative. Okay. So if someone like me who spends my entire life creating stuff being yeah. <laughs> <'cause laughs> creative. <laughs> um so Okay, I kind of want to to read you another little bit, just to kind of to hit onto that. You yeah. know, when you sit and write a book, you spend months and years with the material and honing it and making sense of it, and and clarifying your expression of it. And so often, I do find it easier to go back to my written words because that's yeah. me having been edited rather than just (laughs) going around in circles it's true yeah okay so creativity is in our dna wired into our brains our hormones our bodies the creative process is innate to us as humans and one which almost every one of us engage with usually unconsciously on a daily basis but whilst we're all endowed with creative potential, not all of us might have raw artistic <laughs> that that was an interesting slip. Raw artistic <laughs> talent. Yeah. Uh, not all of us are, are autistic either. <laughs> yeah, true. raw artistic talent, well-developed skills of expression, or the drive to develop our creativity consciously. Just as the majority of us are physically active to some degree every day of our lives, not all of us are naturally athletic, nor do we have the discipline and drive to devote ourselves to being athletes. In both instances, the gift of raw talent is part of the equation. The rest comes down to a mixture of nurture, our genes, neurology, character and drive, and nurture encouragement opportunities training from good teachers and mentors to get the best from us to develop this potential and then there is of course our own sizable contribution commitment regular practice learned technical skills supportive habits and lifestyle and most importantly of all building the confidence in ourselves and the courage to share our abilities publicly yeah so so creativity like is a really it's a it's a, a way of thinking and using stuff which which all humans have like you know if you don't have the correct tool for a job it's you looking around a room and saying what could i use instead that would replace that tool that's creative thinking yeah um you know creative thinking is looking at your wardrobe in the morning and saying that color or pattern goes with that color or pattern or that shape of clothing goes with that that's what I'm going to wear today. Like, that's creative thinking at its most basic. It's how do I combine onions, garlic, tomato, all these different random things to create a tomato sauce. Like, they're all basic things that most of us do every day, and we wouldn't consider ourselves creative for having done them. So everybody has that. But it's true mm-hmm. that not everybody has, like, raw autistic... <laughs> again! can go, again! Raw ...artistic <laughs> talent. <laughs> talent. <laughs> so... Maybe um, there's
1: something in that. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah. Maybe there is. <laughs> um, I mean, I do write, because I am neurodivergent, I do write about this kind of crossover of neurodivergent brains with creativity, and it's something that interests me very much. Um, but, you know, people, like, I don't have a photographic eye for drawing. Like, you know, some people do. Some people can... can recreate that in oils some people can recreate that in um pencils some people can you know sing an opera perfectly like i can't do those things but that doesn't mean i'm not creative and so people can often compare their process and their inner knowledge of themselves to the very carefully edited and highly trained and honed skills of a professional artist final work that's hanging on the wall and they compare one to the other and say well I'm not that therefore I'm not creative at all and to yeah. that I say bollocks.
1: Good on you it is it's <laughs> all about that isn't it it's what yeah how you define it and what you see the value in it but also giving yourself permission to do it.
2: Well I mean you don't see the process that artists use to get there no um mm-hmm. you, you know you don't see all the mess and the the, the weird things that they do on their Definitely. way to creating <laughs> that. You, you <laughs> don't see story. all the re- rejected sketches and the, the things that didn't work. You don't see that, whereas you see that in your own life. So it's it's taking your focus off that as failure and understanding instead that as process. Mm, that's a very so good looking at it. Yeah,
0: I love that. And Lucy, can you explain the creative way to our listeners? <sighs> sure. I know it's a big part of your book but
2: (laughs) okay (laughs) so the creative way is really what I've you know you have to you have to find some sort of way to order your random thoughts on a topic and so to me the creative way is is my way of ordering those thoughts so what does the creative process look like what does what does being creative in the world look like and therefore because often if we don't have a structure for something we find it hard to to process it mentally and physically. And so to me, the creative way is a way of giving structure to something which isn't structured in our experience of it. In our experience of it, it's very messy and very um, nebulous. And so a lot of us can get very stuck and lost in it. Whereas by giving it Words and giving those words structure, it allows us to navigate it in a more conscious and aware way. So rather than getting stuck and lost and scared in it, we can go, ah, I'm at this part of the process. This is what it is. And I'm not alone in it. Other people have experienced this. This is common. This is actually right. I'm on the right track because this is what happens at this part of the process. Ooh. So that's what it is. It's it's my way of just putting a shape on something that feels shapeless when you're in the middle of it. And that takes a lot of self-reflection as you are going through it um, to try and identify those different parts of the process and then also a lot of reflection on the other the creative process of other people to see where you know I might not experience something so strongly but other people might so just really trying to universalize that that way that process
1: so people can go oh this is a thing <laughs> yeah
2: yeah <laughs> well, I'm going it's through. like when you're um giving birth like, if you don't know about the different stages of labour, if you don't know what transition is, then mm. when you get there and you're freaking out and you're telling the midwife, there is no way I can do this, mm. you know, stop the process, get me out of here, it can't do. <laughs> I've changed if my mind. <laughs> know, yeah, exactly. If you know that that is what happens at that moment, then as hard as it is internally on one level, a little tiny witness part of yourself can go, it's okay. I know this is part of the process. The same with The Ring of Fire, a bit of... of, And I do use birth a lot as an analogy because, for me, it was a very useful and powerful analogy. Yeah. And again, that was one of my uh, ways of really tuning into the, the feminine Mm. nature of creativity is, you know, well, who creates life on this planet? Oh, hang on a second. It's female bodies. Whoops. So, (laughs) um, you know, you can give us all these stories of the male God creating us in six days, but in reality, it's female bodies creating life day in, day out on earth since the beginning. So that, whether you've experienced birth or not yourself, and I'm aware that for some people it can be alienating because they haven't, you can see the process happening in other creatures around you, even if you haven't experienced it. And that process of birth is the creative process. Like it is taking something in from outside of you, connecting it with something inside of you, gestating that, it growing and growing and taking on its own energy, its own life form, and then having to birth that out into the world. And when you get to the ring of fire and you are stretched open as fully as you can be and you feel like you're being ripped apart from the insides and you're going to die, it's knowing, no, this is the ring of fire. This happens. You know, I am being stretched to my limits in order to birth something. This is part of the process. I can do this. Let's carry on rather than, freezing in fear, stalling, going back. So in birth, a lot of the skills that you learn, which we're not encouraged to learn because, you know, our our culture over-medicalizes birth, over-medicalizes pregnancy, doesn't allow women to build their confidence in their bodies to be able to do these things. We're having to learn this again during our creative experiences to be able to Be there with the fear. Be there when we're overwhelmed, when we're stretched, when we don't know what to do. And rather than backing off or rather than forcing ourselves and pushing ourselves too hard is to learn to be with that part of the process and know that it is real and true and a part of the process, but to be there with it, be there with ourselves rather than backing off in fear because fear isn't telling you to stop. This goes back to the Burning Woman process. It's not telling you to stop. It's telling you to pay Mm -hmm. attention very
0: much. I love the birth analogy. Um, and I can truly resonate with it. And since I have aligned those two things with my own creative process, uh, I've also allowed myself to rest after birthing something as well, which I never used to do. I used to feel like I had to be onto the next thing straight away and always producing and always putting things out there. When now, even with my pottery, um, I have, an update around every six weeks. And after that, after I send everything out, I usually take a week just to reset, plan and rest really because it takes a lot. It takes a lot to put things out into the world.
2: And that goes directly, it goes directly against what we're taught in capitalist culture and patriarchal culture, which is you should be a producer all of Mm -hmm. the time. And if you're not being a producer, you should be a consumer. We're, We're not in a culture that values rest And rest and lying fallow are part of the creative process. Like you can't build up your creative abilities again. You can't generate new life again unless you are rested and nourished. Mm. Like otherwise you are the one who's going to be weakened by the process again and again until you're burnt out. Mm. And sadly that's what happens with a huge amount of women in every sphere of life and a huge amount of creatives. They, you know, they, they, feel constantly pushed, especially by, you know, social media requirements to always be producing content, um, by this push to, you know, always be making money from their work. And we need to learn how to lie fallow, how to make space for ourselves to rest, to not create anything, to absorb, to what I call creative bathe, which is just surround yourself with things that nourish you read things that aren't in any way connected to what you're working on you know go out in nature go to a gallery you know do things which nourish and nurture you which have no intentional end result but I guarantee they will nurture and nourish the next thing but you don't know how because all of those seeds are being planted in your unconscious which will then develop in their own way
1: Mm, making space for that to occur Mm. It can be such a slippery slope in today's uh landscape for the unaware
2: or less aware. Well, it's just the pressure on us is so so immense. Mm. The pressure to constantly be producing, to constantly prove your value, your worth as a human being by producing content, by producing things that you can sell, by being productive. That's that's how we're taught to value our very beingness and yeah. It's not okay. It's not right. And it's doing huge damage to ourselves and the planet. Mm. Ever more the important conversations such as
1: we're having. Uh Lucy, so how are magic and creativity intertwined? <laughs> god you got all the
2: big questions don't
1: you (laughs) right you touched on earlier on
2: (laughs) so magic is something that I'm kind of coming into more and more in my writing and my thinking um sorry excuse me one second of course oh (laughs) um so um For me, magic is the is what I use to refer to the unseen processes which go on, which are an inherent part of life, which we don't have an adequate way of describing. And magic is usually the place where transformation or alchemy happen it's it's it happens in the liminal spaces in the crossing places and really that's what creativity deals with it's transforming you know energy from one thing into another um, it's evoking a feeling in somebody who you've never met but by writing these words I make you feel the same feeling that I was feeling when I wrote them it's a transmission of energy in ways that we still can't fully explain and that is what i feel like we deal with as creatives we're, we're dealing with the unseen with emotion energy color symbol um, word and image which are both massive magical tools um to express transform and share collective experience share a different way of being beyond the normal mundane way of being it's a it's a way of tapping into a a part of being human which daily life doesn't tap into it's it's a way of of tapping into our greater humanity and something perhaps greater than being human
1: so that true one. oh my gosh I could just listen to you all night same long. here <laughs> so
0: also in the book you talk about the work and can you share with us what this is another big question for you
2: mm. <laughs> oh poor
1: Lucy <laughs> she's never gonna want to sack <laughs> everything. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you guys do this really annoying thing of before our interviews, you like actually read my book and actually pay attention and actually analyse it, and are curious about it. Aww. I wish more people didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm joking. Um, I I love it. I love that you do. I love that that you really you really do pay attention as you're is you're working through it. It's fabulous. Um, so the work forgive me but my my background is in the history of ideas which is philosophy in a historical context and one of the things so this is going to be slightly philosophy geek out so apologies Ooh. to listeners who don't have a grounding in philosophy i'll try and make it as clear as possible um one of the things that really excited me when i first started learning about philosophy was plato's idea of forms so plato plato was an ancient greek philosopher And he had this kind of story stroke parable of the cave that he told, where he was trying to describe the nature of reality. And in this idea, he says that reality is like a cave with a fire at the doorway. And we are um, looking at the back wall, at all the the shadows cast on that back wall, whereas I'm thinking that that is reality because that is where we're focused. But the reality is that the things moving, the things making those shadows, the real things are the things that we're not looking at. That always really kind of captivated me because because what he's saying is what is going on here in the world isn't necessarily the, the true kind of basis of reality that there is something more real than the shadows that we're 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 playing with and watching in in our daily lives here and then you have this concept of forms which is that those those things casting the shadows those are the the real things they are so everything that we see here is just uh, a shadow or a reflection of that. So these real things, these are the things that we should actually be engaged with and studying because these, these hold the essence of, of what a thing is, what each different thing is. And so for me, the work, capital T, capital W, is that bigger picture of what it is we're actually doing. So we do our daily work. We, you know, we type things on our computers. We print things off. We edit them with a red pen. That's the small work that we're doing day-to-day, our daily work. But the work, capital T, capital W, is is the why, is the what that we're really doing. It's the bigger picture, the overarching Thing, the essence of what we're doing and in my experience it lines up nicely with that platonic ideal of forms which is for me each book each painting has its essential beingness its existence in some different realm which I am trying to channel down into it work from. So what I'm creating is a shadow of what it actually is, Ooh. but I'm always tapped into that essential thing. So I, whatever I create, I will always be disappointed because it won't be the thing. I can't create the thing because the thing is in existence on a different plane, whatever that plane is. But I I work in communication with that. So I'm always referring back to to that essential beingness of whatever it is I'm working on so that's my reference point um is how closely does the thing that I am creating here on earth reference back to that thing that ideal that idea that form um so that you know and and that's an unusual perhaps perspective I don't know but that for me is my truth is that Each of the things I create has its own essential beingness without me there. Like it exists and I am kind of acting as a human translator for it. And translation, things always get lost in translation. (laughs) You know, my lack of skills will always inhibit my ability to fully take it from this Non-material form into a material form, like materials, the material world will always inhibit inhibit it. It will always add. um res- It will always restrict. It's a restriction, it's, it's, yeah, yeah,
1: because you're limited with what you can work with.
2: Absolutely, and you're limited by your own ego, your own energy levels, all of, all of those yeah. things. Well, but yeah. that that thing exists for me is true, and so when I get these bubbles of stuff down to me, through me on at a night when I kind of like have an idea that comes fully formed to me, that to me is an experience of the work communicating to me. Mm, I love that. Perfect. And it
1: actually leads into the next question, which is about the translation, so to speak, and limitations. So if someone is feeling stuck creatively what can you suggest to open them up energetically and to find their flow?
2: Um, to stop forcing is the number one thing again and again. We are taught to force um, as women um, and in, in, in the culture that we inhabit. We're taught to push through. We're taught to, to not back off, to not fail. And what, what you need to do is to step back, to keep stepping back, to let go, to surrender and allow allow stuff to reach you again. Because when we're in a forced position, we're very shut off. We're very insular. We're very, like, we think we've got the answer. We think if we just do this and that, if we think about it, we'll sort it out. Whereas actually the logic logical mind isn't your friend when it comes to the creative process. It's very helpful when it comes to the honing, editing part of the the process, but not in the main creative part. So if you've reached, in my perspective, if you've reached a point where you are stuck, it's because you've stopped listening to the form. You've stopped listening to the work and you are fully in ego and, and logical mind and mundane fear. And so you need to get back into communication with, into the listening, into witnessing. And the only way to do that is to pull right back and to take your focus off it, distract yourself, do something completely different, do something that nourishes you, take a break, take a rest. And it might be for a day. It might be for a month. It might be for a year. Like you are not in control of that timing and that process. But once you have allowed yourself to stop forcing for long enough, you will suddenly find as you're driving along or you're having a shower, (laughs) something pops (laughs) into your mind and you won't have worked for it. It'll just be there. But it can't be there if you're trying to make it something else because you can't you can't allow for the possibility of anything coming in from left field if you think you know the answer, if you are looking in the wrong places. So you have to pull back entirely from the territory to allow whatever to emerge from whatever direction it needs to. And that might be from something you see in your daily life. It might be through a thought that comes to you. It might be through reading a random book, like whatever direction... It needs to take, you're trying to take it in the wrong direction. That's why you're Mm. stuck.
0: I love your insights. Wisdom. Yeah, definitely.
2: I know. Well, they come about through an awful lot of doing the opposite, right? (laughs) Like, that's how I figure it out. It's how we learn. Yeah, I spent so long trying to force yeah. shit and I'm realising every time I do, that doesn't work. Yeah. So, you know, you're welcome. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that exactly. kind of leads into my next question. So I really resonated with your chapter on chaos and the topic of burnout. Mm. And in the book you wrote, burnout is energetic exhaustion. It's what happens when we believe that we are the source of our creativity rather than the conduit to the flow. And it happens when fear drives us. We push ourselves against our natural rhythms. Our creativity becomes work and any pleasure evaporates. So this is something that I definitely experienced when I had my professional photography studio. Um, So I can very much relate to this. So can you speak to us about how to avoid burnout and to create from that more cyclic place?
2: I feel like what I was saying in the previous answer is kind of it. it is it's the pulling back and allowing yourself to be immersed in things that you love and other things because what we're told by um by patriarchal culture is that pleasure is bad pleasure pleasure is self-indulgent pleasure and work are two very very different things so if you're working hard it's not fun it's not pleasurable and so we define ourselves by being good girls of the patriarchy good little capitalist producers we we define ourselves by how much we have produced how much money we have made rather than how much pleasure we have had making something you know that is seen as frivolous whereas the the money and the 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 hard work or being really busy is seen as good so it's disconnecting from that basic drive identifying it in yourself every single time it comes up because you know we don't choose our pleasure first we choose pain first we choose force we choose pushing hard first because we are told that that's good so it's a re- excuse me, rewiring of your own brain mm. to say actually choosing pleasure is good. Choosing to take this morning in bed, choosing to take a walk before work, whatever it is, that is good for me. That is good for my creativity. It is good for the world. It is good for my family rather than trying to force masses amount of stuff in short amount of time through. That is actually not good for myself or anybody around me or the world. And often we have to open it up like that a bit. We have to, because We've been taught very much to uh, deny ourselves stuff and serve other people. So often, if we have to, we have to reframe it in this is good for other people, this is good for the world, then we will allow ourselves to take that choice. It's
0: a huge relearning, so isn't true. it? Like, it, I think for majority yeah. of people on the planet, it it does occur that way, where you do feel guilty for taking time out, or you feel guilty for resting, and you feel guilty for. Like, it's, it's nuts considering how much we work in our lives Creepy. that, yeah, that we shouldn't enjoy <laughs> exactly. it. It's it's a huge part of the majority of our lives.
2: And, you know, we also have this this bit in our brains, which is if I am able to take a break, that is a privilege. And mm. I'm obviously, you know, I could do something more productive with mm. that time or people won't believe I've worked hard enough, all of that, you know. And even those of us who are working three jobs and you know, really on the breadline with money and it's tough, tough, tough. There's still, we're allowed to have pleasure. We are allowed to have rest. Like the fact that you're having to work three jobs isn't your fault. It's the culture Mm -hmm. around you that is not actually allowing you to be paid enough for valuing your work in whatever it is you do. So like we are expected to grind ourselves down to nothing in service of this great big capitalist machine. But it doesn't stop when you reach an OK-ish level of income. You know, Then you're expected to get to the next level and the next level. Mm. So it doesn't actually stop with having just about enough money. It keeps on going. So therefore, it's not actually about your value as a human. And it's not actually about just about money or just about mm. survival. It's about a cultural thing which you have been brainwashed with, which says your value is in Putting yourself through the meat grinder. Mm. So true, isn't it? Which is horrific. Yeah, it is. <laughs>
1: now I'm really sad. <laughs> oh. Sorry. <laughs> Magic, fairies. <laughs> it's, no, but when you, it's sort of like, you know, when you see something in a certain light, you can't unsee that, you know. So well,
2: we We are resources for the capitalist machine. That is all it cares about. Mm. And what we are doing through honoring and valuing our creativity, our rest, our families, our loved ones, Mm. nature, our time to to create and make what we want, our self-pleasure, our sexuality, all of those things, our spirituality, all the things that have no time, no value as, as given to them in our culture by capitalism. When we value those, ourselves it is a revolutionary act like we are remaking culture we are creating our own lives because we are saying that is a value that is something that i want to give my energy my life force to that is an important part of my life and at some point it doesn't matter what our income is we have to make that decision for ourselves because you can see elon musk there he's richest man that has ever existed on the planet What's he doing? He's got, like, seven kids, I think. He's not at home playing with those kids on the thing. Mm. He's there trying to make more money. He's there trying to have fights, you know, on on and about Twitter. And, you know, it's, it doesn't stop when you yeah. have enough money. It just keeps on going. Quite right. And, so and I
1: think, yeah, um, this pandemic, a lot of people have, had an opportunity to actually either revisit their values or perhaps for the first time ever consider slightly different values and Mm. they've experienced a lot more time at home and, and a lot more people for the first time are probably choosing slightly different options as a result of that, which is amazing on that level too, isn't it?
2: Yeah. And like, uh, one of the lies about creativity is that it's all or nothing. You know, you've got to give up your job and, Mm. you know, have this perfect like artist studio before you can start. And that is the crux of what I am arguing against in in my books is no, 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 you create space and you create time. Like some of the, the greatest writers of our time had full time jobs, but they wrote, you know, they woke up two hours early or they did it after they'd come home from work or they did it at work in little bits and pieces where they weren't working like you know i've wrote my first book curled up in us in my armchair with three small children under four around me wow. with chickenpox like <laughs> you do what you need to do you mm. you don't wait for this perfect time and empty mm. space and you know it doesn't happen that way you need to make the tiniest little spaces in your day to prioritize what's important to you. It's not about, oh poor me, I'm too busy, I don't have enough money, so I can't. No, you find a way to do what you need to do. And if what you've got to create with is, you know, the sticks and stones outside your house, like in the park, on the street, that's what you use. Like, we all have materials around us that we can use. We all have little bits of time that we can use. It's our choice to reclaim those and purpose them for ourselves. So true. It's so true. Um,
1: So do you believe that our creative work is imbued with the energy or intention that it's created with? Uh, For instance, someone who makes spell candles or Shannon with her pottery for rituals?
2: Absolutely. And I think we all know that like you can the difference between, um, you know, like a cushion, for example, that you've bought from, I don't know, whatever your pound stores uh, like dollar stores over there are versus one that has been made by somebody with fabrics that were pre-loved from their children's clothes and they patchwork them together. Like the difference in energetic feel value that you have that goes beyond the the financial like you could have been gifted both of them so neither of them cost you any money mm-hmm. um you know the one that's made from pre-loved clothes might have a hole in it it might have a little stain on it but one you can feel the f- attention and love and intentions desires feelings caring that goes into it the other one has just been made yeah, empty vessel yeah
1: Yeah, yeah, it is so different, isn't it, energetically speaking?
2: Mm. I mean, where we get into problems is that, you know, handmade costs a huge amount more, Mm. so then it becomes a luxury item. It becomes something that a lot of people can't afford. And people can... You know, it's it's easy in this this uh, very commercial climate to say, you know, oh well, I've imbued a be- blessing on it, therefore it's worth an extra thirty dollars, kind of thing. <laughs> you know, people can exploit that, mm. but it also it means this this thing of devaluing um, care and devaluing uh, our time and energy is that we can devalue what we make. So it might not have cost us anything. It might be from all recycled materials, but we don't see the value that we bring to something because because it's intangible, because you can't see it. And often that's what people see in our work that we can't see in our work is is our soul, our spirit, our caring, our, our creative eye. Like they can see that that we can't see and so we can devalue that when we are sharing or selling our work because we're not aware of that.
1: Yeah, it's almost so innate. You can't see mm. It.
2: Mm. Yeah. And
0: I love this part of each of our interviews. Would you mind reading us a favourite quote from your book, Creatrix?
2: Sure thing. Give me a second and I will, I will... It's from the ending. I always like the endings. I kind of, I I kind of do a grand hurrah. (laughs) 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 They've stayed with me all this time. They can (laughs) put up with a little bit of channeled poetry and the inspiration Mm. that it brings. Okay, to create is to say, I am willing to give the gift of myself to the world, not because I am perfect but because my existence is precious. I contain myriad beauty and wild possibilities. And I dare to be here as fully as I can. I dedicate myself to this life.
1: Beautiful. Wow. And you said channeled poetry. I love that.
2: Yeah. So mm-hmm. that would be something that fell into my hands fully formed and I might have you know changed one word in it because the you know one word had been repeated twice but it it just it appeared for me and yeah I love that
1: and that's beautiful because you know you share it in the book and you're sharing it here it's just lovely thank you so much do you Thank have you. anything up your sleeve? Because before we started this interview, we were talking yep. about our divine tool of the week and we were deciding it would be a divine words of wisdom of the week <laughs> because it's you. <laughs> but I know that you've been reading a fair bit. So is there one more little morsel
2: to share with our listeners? Sure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to carry on the very, very end. A little bit more channeled wisdom, which is this. We ask ourselves when, when will we be enough? When will we make a difference? When we have the courage to claim space for ourselves, when we risk creativity, when we relish our sensuality, when we honor our lives and their experiences as valuable, when we create from our own unique bodies, expressing ourselves in our authentic voices using our own language. When we dare to walk in the dark, when our creative selves and daily selves are no longer kept separate, when we dare to reach out beyond our comfort zones, when we become dedicated explorers of the mystery, then we bud and bloom. Then we flourish. Then magic happens. Then transformation unfolds in our lives, in the world. Creativity is our way of channeling the magic through, and our world needs all the magic we can give it right now. Dare to offer the world the gift of you. Don't keep it to yourself. Keep diving into the flow. Keep moving through the void. Keep connecting. Keep following your bliss. This is the creative way. And you, dear one, are a valued creatrix. Perfect.
0: I know. <laughs> Mic <Mark> drop again. <laughs> <I was. laughs>
1: so inspiring, yeah.
0: Lucy. My gosh, that's beautiful.
1: Yeah. It's just, Thank it goes you. straight to the heart mm. and, and everywhere.
0: <laughs> and do you mm. have anything <laughs> brewing you would like to share with our podcast cover?
2: No, I've decided that I'm not really creative, and so I'm not gonna do this. Anymore. Just gonna <laughs> tool. You're That's done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna take a holiday for a few years.
1: <laughs> Who are you? And what have you done with Lucy? <laughs> um,
2: so yeah, I'm just finishing off the illustrating of the Kitchen Witch Companion, which Whoa. I'm co-authoring with Sarah, which is really exciting to be never co-authored a book with anyone before. Um Writing about magic and food, which is actually my first writing love, and my first love is is food, so that's really exciting. Um, and Sarah is just fabulous. I think you've had, we have you have, you had yeah. I think you have, beautiful. Beautiful. yeah, uh, yeah. Yep yoga for witches uh has been our womancraft bestseller so just to have the two of us working on what we love together is really special and magical and a different a different string to my creative bow kind of co-creating a book rather than you know writing as normally something that's very I do mm-hmm. by myself so this is really exciting to be doing this um and editing more books for womancraft which will be out in the coming months which I can't announce yet but they're (laughs) fabulous and I have uh my first new e-course in several years which is called structuring the soul of writing which is all about how to energetically shape your words um once you've got all your words blurted down onto a page. How do you shape them into something engaging, exciting? Um, either be that a, a blog post, or an article, or a book. And uh, a lot of people have asked me for this over the years. I've taught a lot of creative courses, um, your authentic voice and word and image, which create material. But then people are like, "How do I turn this into something that I can pub- get published or can I can sell?" So that is that is what is coming up in September which is very mm-hmm. exciting and obviously I don't know if it's going to work because <laughs> I've never worked through it with other people but I have all the materials there ready to dive into that that creative space with other people and and try and teach the way that I edit woman craft books and the way that I put my own books together and see if I can help other people use that technique that sounds so oh, incredible fantastic. yeah
1: and we'll put the link to Womancraft Publishing in the show notes. So anyone that hasn't already signed up for the newsletter, etc., which is where I'm assuming you'll be um notifying everybody on the release of the course yeah. and all of that.
2: And I have, you know, I have my own website too, LucieHPierce.com, and okay. I have a yep. separate newsletter there where every month I share creative resources, what I'm what I'm enjoying at the moment, podcasts, books, um, mm-hmm. quotes thoughts it's it's a little kind of curation of of what I'm immersed in and what might be of service and and useful to people um so that's exciting and I'm celebrating 10 years of being a published author which is also very exciting congratulations that's that's my yeah my book baby birthday So, so I've got the I've got the third edition of that first book out um this month um so that's exciting moon time um, which is all about working with our cycles, which for a lot of people is game changing. Mm. Um, and yeah, that,
1: absolutely. That
2: is a, an extra 20,000 words have been added wow. to that book, lots of new voices, um, dealing with all sorts of things. Uh, Perimenopause, endometriosis, uh, non-binary and trans experiences of menstruation, um, yoga for moon time, lots and lots of different aspects of how to engage with our cycles that hadn't previously been in there. So beautiful, brilliant, yeah. So but we'll as I said, minutes. I'm
1: taking a three-year <laughs> holiday. Um, <laughs> <laughs> liar, liar. <laughs> oh, Lucy, it's been such a pleasure talking with you just really reminds me of how much I need to expand my vocabulary because listening to you and your <laughs> words and how you just off the cuff place them it's just like balm to my ears. Thank you so much for oh, sitting with us through you. this. Thank you.
0: Pleasure. Thank yeah, you. Thank so you. Much. And I'm sure this won't be the last that we'll be having you on here, that's for
1: sure. We'll see you after <laughs> your after holiday three years <laughs> when she comes back. Yeah. <laughs> Look to your podcast, come and Take care. We'll speak to you next. We'll see you time. next week.
0: We love bringing turns out. She's a witch to you each week at no cost. So if you like what you hear, please consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We are a small operation, researching, coordinating, and producing the show
1: ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the costs of making the show. As a thank you, you'll get access to some beautiful guided
0: meditation recordings a Patreon shout-out on the podcast. There's monthly live Q&As, competitions and giveaways, as well as a special book and movie review
1: bonus episodes. For more details, please click the link in the show notes. Of course, if you want to get in touch, send us an email at tospsychic at gmail.com. As always, we welcome your questions. We'd love it if you left a review and shared the podcast with your family and friends. And give us a follow over on Insta at turnsout underscore she's a witch. Until next time. Thanks for listening and being a part of our podcast cover.